everybody, you're listening to So Many Sequels. I'm Josh. I'm Andrew. Garrett. I'm David. We are back with a brand new series this week. Uh, we Our last series we did was, was Toy Story, so now we're moving on to something new. Uh, That's super- not new. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> Superman <laughs> the, is new to us as a show. Uh, we're going to talk about yep. the Superman series, Superman 1 through 4. Today's episode is Superman 1. Um, 1978, Superman right? the movie, 1978. Man, Andrew Christopher was like Reeve. When this came out. Marlon Brando. Ah, he was older than that. Gene Hackman. Gene Hackman. Margot Kidder. Margot Kidder. Uh, People. Yeah. Um, so before, get ready. Yeah, before we get into that, though, we've been on a little bit of a summer break. Uh, you guys haven't noticed because of our uh, expertly curated release schedule. Oh, yeah. We've been releasing new episodes up to now, but we've actually been off for a few weeks. So, um, some things have happened. People have done some stuff. I'm mostly interested in hearing about David's vacation because he went to Disney World. Right, and I was interested in hearing about the amazing putt-putt. Oh, yeah, we went on a company put on. company outing <laughs> last weekend or a couple weekends ago. Uh, all but one of us. So, uh, yeah, well, we uh, I, our story sucks, so I guess we'll tell ours first. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we went, well, you guys it's nowhere went, near as good as Disney got, World. No. Uh, some of you guys got to go to a local film festival here in that's town. That's true, that's true. That was amazing. That was cool. Um, Circle Cinema Film Fest. Uh, happened in uh, um, the beginning of July, wasn't it? Yep. Happened in the beginning of the Ju- July. This guy here that I'm pointing at, Andrew, uh, it, one of his photos served as the uh, official poster of the festival. That's amazing. That is amazing. Um, I had to say it because he won't. <laughs> thank you very, thank humble you very... else's brag. Yeah. My favorite was all of Andrew's pictures of his picture. Yeah, shout out to Circle Cinema. <laughs> shout out to Circle Cinema for using his photo. For real. And, thank you uh, so much. And putting on a great festival. I mean, we got to see, they showed um, The Outsiders, which is now just a super iconic film in Tulsa. Mm -hmm. Um, Everybody's seen it a billion times and you never get get tired of watching it. Especially in Circle Cinema, where that movie was partially filmed, where the book is set. Right. To watch it there is a big deal. And uh, Gray Fredrickson was there, was he not? Producer of the movie. He was. T- tell us about that a little bit because you were you were at that event. We we didn't make it to that one. Yeah, I mean, he hosted. They hosted like a small Q and A session, and then they had a dedication to put a, uh, a Tulsa Walk of Fame or Circle Cinema Walk of Fame right in front of the building. Mm-hmm. And uh, and then he stayed and watched the movie for a little bit. He took some more questions. All around, very nice guy. Mm-hmm. And man, does he have stories to tell? You could he could he could tell you stories. Uh, until the end of time. Did you learn anything from him that kind of blew your mind about the movie industry or anything like uh, that? A little bit. He was telling he was telling us some stuff about Apocalypse Now because he was the producer of Apocalypse Now and uh, about how about how like money it, how much money it was it was supposed to lose. And he also was saying stuff about Marlon Brando. Mm-hmm. And he said uh, he said that Marlon Brando because. Uh, Marlon Brando has been notorious throughout history. Notorious B.I.G.? Notorious B.I.G. Notorious D.I. What? (laughs) (laughs) He said that uh, uh, if you were professional, you got along great with Marlon Brando. But if you weren't, you didn't. And he was one of the few that actually got along with Marlon Brando. You think he was being nice about it? And here's why I asked that. You just said he was one of the few that gets along with Marlon Brando. Yeah. There's a lot of stories about people not getting along with Marlon Brando. Mm-hmm. Am I really to believe that all those people were just not professional? Or was it actually that Marlon was the one who was never professional? I don't... See, I don't know. I really but don't surely... Know. Or Marlon's definition of professional is, is widely... Is widely <laughs> different from the rest of us. Yeah. 
I mean, uh, but I, we're going to talk about him a little bit today because Marlon Brando has some uh, interesting stories uh, uh, in Superman. Yes. Uh, so I'm sure we'll get into that. But that's cool. Mm-hmm. We got to do that. And uh, he he was one. It, Gray Fredrickson was also one of the one of the big guys that helped get a uh, film going in Oklahoma. So they now because during his time they only they would only produce a couple movies a year. Now yeah. they're they're producing. Well, they're, now we've got they're, a, they're churning movies out. We've got a film and music office. Nino Dobrev was just here from Vampire Diaries. She's in town filming a movie. They're talking about Matt Damon might be shooting a movie here. You never know. It's at least based on Stillwater, and Matt Damon is my dream. So <laughs> win-win for me. Uh-huh. And you got um, Leo and Martin Scorsese. For Killers uh, of the Flower Moon. Yeah, yeah. Coming, coming to Green oh, Country. Do we know if they're, they're actually going to do that yet? We don't know that. Just not fully. They, uh, come on. This this podcast reads millions and millions of people. Like, let's all write hashtag Killers of the Flower Moon in Oklahoma, baby. Let's get them going. Yeah, I'm mm-hmm. sure that they will. I can't imagine they will. Yeah, they've been yeah. scouting. It's a good scene right yeah. here. Yeah. Um, so that's cool. And, you know, there were other great things there. We got to do a cool uh, VR experience that oh, was set that was in awesome. um, the, the Hanson Brothers studio. Um, Three cars. Just watching them record a song basically in, yeah. in virtual reality with a couple of oculus goggles it was neat yep and you know they had a bunch of other great uh films and short films yeah. and all kinds of stuff circle cinema turned 91 it's the oldest theater yes. in tulsa i believe yes. they had a birthday party that andrew told me about and asked if i want to go then didn't invite me the day of yep I so that was that. great yep that yeah. was great thanks buddy yeah, you're welcome. Andrew he decided. Had fun. Had fun. Well, he decided he didn't want to have you with him when he got to hang out with the mayor and everything. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, totally right. uh, will embarrass me in front yeah. of the mayor. Hey, there's this thing going on on Monday. You want to go? Oh yeah, let me know. Okay. Oh, oh, I see a picture of Andrew with the mayor. Goes, <laughs> goes by himself. Well, shit. Now I feel bad. Yeah. Yeah. You probably should. Um, I'm gonna go home and cry. And then what, Gary? You went to see the Head and the Heart or something? Didn't yeah, you? I went to see the Head and the Heart with a friend. I've been wanting to see them for years, so that was great show uh hippocampus opened up at the it's still called brady soon to be tulsa theater but i tell you what those they just they're so good Uh, if you don't go see concerts at brady it's underrated it is like there's not a bad seat in the house there is well (laughs) i don't even say that okay okay (laughs) if you're gonna go that your instinct i think is to be like on the floor close don't do that go in the bowl if you go in the upper bowl, on I usually pick on the side, and you have a perfect unobstructed view, and you're really, really close. Like that's where you want to sit. You don't necessarily want to sit on the bottom. Yeah, I was gonna say I, I, I do believe we went to a show there yeah. where uh, we sat in front of a pole. That is true. <laughs> that is true. <laughs> or those, behind a pole. Yeah, right? but those tickets were free. So I'm not blaming them. I'm just saying. No, it's just you got you got to pick your seats right. That's, yeah. that's the issue with a theater. Yeah, you a proper theater. Yeah. Go up into the the bowl and you're good. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I have actually never been to. I'm gonna beat the Brady. You. What is wrong with you? I know. Well, like, I will say this: I do have a ticket to go see Tenacious D in October. There you go. That's so fine. that ought to be fun in the Brady. Are you going in the Mosh? I saw him in the Mosh with the Brady a few years ago. Uh, I don't really see him on the show. floor. I'm not so, that. I don't know. Is you're not it, behind that it, pole. Oh, is you? it general admission or do you have a seat? I have a seat. Okay. Well, you're gonna be prepared to stand. That's all right. I'm just letting you know. I usually said a concert. I I was going to say, you you never... Like Andrew. Fuck. (laughs) (laughs) The only reason to sit at a concert really is if you're um, in the very back or in like, if you're in an arena in the top bowl, you don't Mm -hmm. need to be standing. No. Mm -hmm. You're not a part of it really, Mm -hmm. you know? I was going to say, we went to Elton John. 
we were sitting up. It, yeah, yeah, exactly. And, so and I was we, like, I'm not going to stand for this. No. <laughs> I got up to walk around. So yeah. That's how I was when I saw Garth in the VOK. I was like so yeah. high up. I was kind of like, I'm going to sit. Yeah, got to walk around. After I'll stand concert? for a few of these, well, like, and I'll sit down for a few we of these. Kind of After the first couple of songs. So I'm like, down to like get like, a closer view. Gotcha. Okay. <laughs> he goes and takes pictures. You know how he is. Yeah, that's true. What um, else did you guys do? So then we went to uh, do our company outing at... at uh, um, also, a, a, Gilligan's a, Island. Oh, you were going to name them. Okay. Yeah. They don't sponsor us, so I wasn't going to give them credit. Well, it's <laughs> only one in Tulsa. It's good exposure for them. Uh, yeah, sure. Yeah, they need more people there. It was, <laughs> they were so busy. They were. Um, we did some batting cages, uh, which was great. Andrew hurt his hand. Oh, I know. Yeah. I saw you guys uh, taking some swings. Yep. We did putt-putt, <laughs> which was fun, but um, everyone wanted to do putt-putt, so yeah. we had to wait in a long line. But, you know, we got through it. Andrew lost, and that's what it's important. <laughs> it doesn't matter who won; it matters that Andrew lost. <laughs> and that's it. Uh, that's that's our stuff. Now tell us about Disney World. I what went the to, highlights. I went to Disney. Now, World. Remember, this is not a Disney World show. No, it's not. So don't go too deep. <laughs> no, no, no. We there's that's a whole that's a whole other podcast. Exactly. We did some stuff. We uh, we be me and my wife. Mm-hmm. We went. And we did things we never did before. We did a lot of cool stuff. We did this thing called Villains After Hours, which is something oh, yeah. that they've only started very recently. They only do it on Thursday nights. After uh, like 9.30, which is normally when the uh, Magic Kingdom closes, mm-hmm. uh, everybody who doesn't have like a special wristband on uh, has to leave. Mm-hmm. Normally they have to leave anyway because the park closes. But if you have a special wristband, you get to stay and uh, the villains take over. Whoa. So like... There was a there was a sh- there was a stage show that went on where they normally do stage shows up by the by the castle like Hades and uh, Evil Queen from Snow White and uh, Jafar and Doctor Facilier from Princess and the Frog and uh, Maleficent they all had this contest this competition over who was actually going to rule the universe and there was like a lot of stage dancing everybody and choreography nope, yep, that's exactly nope, it nope 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 <laughs> and it was pretty cool the, 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 there was a part of it that was kind of like you know this would be really cool if they had like all the original voices it was a lot of like uh, imitators except for Dr. Facilier who was actually voiced by Keith David which was perfect because Keith David rocks um, besides that though it was like I don't know like Five to ten percent capacity is what the park is at. Is what that means during after from like hours? yeah from like nine thirty to like two in the morning. Wow! So like wow. there's like a max. The ma- they sell out at three thousand. So only three thousand people get in there. And so we walked onto Splash Mountain. We walked onto the Great Thunder. Uh, uh, we walked onto uh, excuse me uh, Thunder Railroad. We uh, didn't walk onto Pirates. A lot of people were on that, but we had like a five minute wait to get on Pirates of the Caribbean. We uh, had like a 12 minute wait to get on Space Mountain. Space Mountain was crazy because normally Space Mountain is a dark ride where they have like a lot of like uh, cool flashing lights, but instead they just shut the lights out completely. So it was a roller coaster in total darkness. <laughs> oh, wow. And instead of the usual like kooky weird music they had, they had uh, villain music and sound effects so you could like hear like in the background you hear Gaston yell kill the burst and you hear like uh, laughter of Maleficent and other people and all those crazy sound effects from classic Disney movies so that was really awesome uh, I didn't know this was a thing so there's only sounds really fun. fun so with only 3,000 tickets sold is there like a lot of luck involved in you getting those or how you all get you them? have to just be you have to you, I mean honestly the thing is it costs the same amount as a regular day at the park so, so it is an additional ticket, though. So it's a it's, it okay. counts as an additional. It could count as an additional ticket. Mm-hmm. 
Um, you can't just so, do the night thing. You got to do a day and night. No, you can do the night. You can do just the night thing. But for a lot of people, that's like it's only from nine thirty to two. So it's like you have like a very limited amount of time in the yeah, park, and it's encroaching on midnight. So the only people who are really going to go are people who probably don't have kids. Yeah, younger people. people so have kids. Yeah, there's a, there, like right there was a, there was quite a few kids Me, there. I would do that. Yeah, there were quite a few kids that that I saw around, but there were not nearly as many as there was just like. Uh, you know, regular like just regular adults day, yeah. who were just having like a good time. So it was just, uh, and uh, there were like, uh, there's uh, only some snacks count towards your snack credits. You know, because you can buy like a dining plan. It was anyway. It was a ton of fun. We got to do basically. I, I rode a. It's a small world, which I've never gotten to ride before because it's always a massive line. And I rode. Um, what was it? I rode uh, Peter Pan's Flight, which always has like a 105 minute wait time for whatever reason. So here's a question I'm going to ask you as someone who's never been to a Disney uh, theme park. Um, you, you, you and Nikki, your wife, are both uh, fully grown human beings. We are. Uh, and it is still a completely enjoyable experience as an adult. You don't need to be a child? No. Like, it's, I know you don't need to be to go, but, like, you don't go in there and go, ah, this is kind of kid stuff. There are, there, there's, a, there's a very fine line. Mm-hmm. Like, the first time... I'm dying to go. The first time Nikki and I went, we went to a couple... There's a couple of... Um, Restaurants uh, in the parks and at the resorts that have like character meets, uh-huh. and so like the first time we went, we went to this place which is a breakfast place, and Winnie the Pooh and his friends showed up. And it's kind of thing where we're like, man, this would be a lot more fun if we had like a kid. Yeah, if we had like a because yeah, if you go up and go Winnie the Pooh, Winnie the Pooh Eeyore, he's gonna be like. Uh-huh. But they also like the cast members like they have oh, to take a photo with the people that are there. So we like you get photos and you're like. Yeah, and you're kind of like I'm, you know, you're like this is cool. I'm meeting Mickey Mouse, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, we mm-hmm. took a lot of photos this time around for my uh, for my nephew's sake. Yeah. We were like, hey, let's get a photo with Goofy, and he'll freak out because we met Goofy. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you are, uh, it's it's not the most extreme necessarily. There's a few few rides that are like for the extreme. There's like the Rock and Roller Coaster uh, featuring Aerosmith. That's a really cool ride. There's a Tower of Terror in Hollywood Studios. That's a really cool ride if you're like a ride person. But generally, the rides aren't that spec. They weren't. They aren't like crazy over the top rides. They're just incredibly detailed. Like if you love like really detailed parks, like you walk into Magic Kingdom and you feel like you're in a totally different place. So it's not. We were talking about this the other day, Garrett and I, about the rides. They're not. They're not one. roller coaster heavy, right? <laughs> Disney World's not really roller coaster heavy. No, like it's not like a Six Flags where it's like no. all roller. Yeah, coasters. yeah. Six Flags, I think, That's really focuses on pushing. Yeah. cool new coasters and there are some cool coasters and so and there's some really innovative technology star tours is a ride that i really like it's just a simulator but it's all star wars uh themed and the way that it works is they put you in this simulator and uh c-3po and r2d2 get uh attacked by the uh they're they're your pilots and they mm-hmm. get attacked by the the the, the bad guys the sith i can't afford it blanked on the, the empire the empire I couldn't think of the word empire and then they escape, but they go through like a series of iconic moments in the Star Wars franchise. But this is a recent thing, as of like the last couple of years, they have a new system that randomizes what that experience is. So you'll never necessarily have the same experience. Wow. Each time. You might get, you might fly through Star Wars Episode One and Star Wars Episode Six, or you might fly through Star Wars Episode Two and Star Wars Episode Seven, or vice versa. Like this time, oh, I yeah. actually got to do the. Um, this time, I did it. Um, we flew. We flew through the part with uh, with Finn and and uh, 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 Ray Ray on Jakku when mm-hmm. they were escaping with the Millennium Falcon, and then we went like right into Episode Eight, uh, which I was like, I didn't know they had stuff for the Last Jedi yet. Yeah, that's crazy. It was crazy stuff. Which one was this? 
This is called Star Tours, and it's a it's it's just a simulator, but it's a really good one. Did so, you go to Galaxy's go. Edge? That's the most. Yeah, it wasn't open question. yet. Oh, it wasn't open yet. It opens in August. I was really really hopeful that if we snuck in in the late July, there might be a, there might be what they call rehearsals, but what everybody else would call soft open, yeah. where they let in like if you're there, they don't promote it, but if you're there, they go, "Would you like to come and do see our early showing of Galaxy's Edge?" And you go, "Yes." Absolutely, because we got to do that with New Fantasyland uh, a few years ago before they opened New Fantasyland. So we got to ride a bunch of rides. We were like some of the uh, early people that got to ride them. Here's something. I'll show you guys a photo, and I'll post this on our Instagram later. Cool. Um, this is uh, uh, during the Villains After Hours. They had uh, Maleficent's dragon animatronic just patrolling the streets. Oh, that's pretty neat. And uh, there's, I have a video of it somewhere of it moving around. And it, uh, it used to breathe fire, but you guys may have saw the viral video where it caught on fire, so they don't do that anymore. I think I did, yeah. <laughs> so that was really cool. Um, and then uh, I uh, completely wore out my knee. I sounded like an old person halfway through the week because I, like, blew out my knee. I walked 43 miles uh, while I was in Disney World. A lot of walking. But mm-hmm. had a blast. I'm trying to think of anything else super exciting that happened. Uh Help defeat Kylo Ren and Darth Vader. That was fun. Helped a bunch of little kids. Uh, uh, no, that's pretty much. Okay. I mean, we did a lot of. It, we got to do all the cool stuff. I think it's a great park if you're an adult or a kid. It would be great to go with uh, with little kid because you kind of get to share in some of their experience too. But there's plenty to do for adults, and the food is amazing. Some of the best food mm. uh, you'll ever have. Sweet. Okay. Well, now I'm pumped to go to a Disney park someday. I hope to do that. Uh, on that note, uh, let's transition into Superman, the movie. What is that movie? Superman, the movie. So, Superman, like we said at the top of the show, was released in 1978, directed by Richard Donner, starring all the people I've already read, so I won't do it again. Now, this is the first big screen adaptation of Superman. Superman had been done... On television, through serials, and through, I think, film through serials. Yeah. But not a full-blown feature film. Yeah, there have been, I think, some Superman shorts. Yeah, this was kind of what um, I think many would argue made superhero movies blow up into the stratosphere. Mm -hmm. You know, we'd had, like, you know, the the Batman movie from the 60s with Adam West, but that's not... That was amazing. didn't quite do it. They didn't take it seriously like this does. That's more or less a made-for-movie... TV show. Not everyone. They were tripping on drugs. Yeah, <laughs> I don't think everyone here had seen Superman before. Who who was who had a first time? Anyone? Yep. Andrew's first time. Garrett's first time. Uh, I hadn't seen it in a long time. I think I was seven the first time I may have saw this. But so there you go. This is definitely the second time I've seen it. Yeah. Yeah. Here's Mike. I have a question right out the gate. Okay. How famous was Christopher Reeves at this time? No, because no. I don't he, think he was. Okay, I was going to say he was billed beneath Marlon Brando, which I yes. get, but also Gene Hackman, which I know he was famous, but like didn't know his level of famous Chris, in the 70s. Yeah, not at all. This Christopher Reeves was a nobody. Film. Okay. Yeah. Which is kind of what they were going for. Yeah. So we'll start, as we always do, one word to describe uh, Superman the movie. Foreshadowing. Yeah. Okay. Weird word, but okay. Yeah. Uh, I'll be very generous with my word and say pioneering. Okay. My word is going to be weird. Okay. It's a, I'm going to I'm going to say it's a hyphenated word. Oh yeah. Because, but I said it enough throughout the movie, <laughs> and that's the way that a lot of my notes are structured. So, wait, what? Wait, what? It's that's not it, a hyphenated, hyphenated word. Hyphenated word in the way yeah. that I'm using it. No. Wait, what? Yep. 
Wait, okay. what? That's two specifically different words. Uh, then I'll say it real fast. Wait, what? <laughs> mine, mine is similar to, to David's. I'm, I'm going with impressive. Mostly from a special effects standpoint. For the time. Yeah, for the time. So um, this movie is uh, like two hours and 23 minutes long. Is that what we decided? Very long. So, uh, and everyone knows, I think, the background of Superman. So I don't want to go through all that. It tells the uh, origin of Superman. Krypton's destroyed. Sent to the Earth. Raised blah, 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 blah. Okay, so let's just get into the discussion, shall we? <laughs> yeah. Um, First thoughts off the bat. Very 70s. Very seventies. Well, so let's but, let's just but, talk about that because Andrew watches a lot of old movies and yes. I, and and he watches a, 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 all of the old movies. Yeah, and we don't really. Not really. Um. So talk. Let's let's talk a little bit about the style of the seventies versus the style of now because for most people our age, that's boring as shit. Like I ain't, I ain't gonna push pull punches. That movie's boring. Yeah, that's what my the- generosity was from. <laughs> I was kind of bored about halfway through the movie. But at the time, it was not. But as of 2019, I felt every minute yeah. of that two days was- and 23 minutes. Or two hours and 23 minutes. <laughs> there was a point where, where, where Garrett hit the uh, PS4 button to see where it was. And it was like what? It wasn't third even of the halfway. way in. Yeah, it was and not you were even like, halfway. No, yeah, you're not even. You're not even halfway there. So, and but like at the time, I uh, you know I try to put myself. How is it in not that over mind- yet? Yeah, at the time I try to put myself in that mindset, but like I can't because I wasn't there. And I know we joke about you being there. You weren't, but you're closer. <laughs> But you've also watched a lot of stuff. You've from watched this a decade. lot of stuff, and you understand. So, like, talk a little bit about. Does this hold that. up the pacing of this? Does it hold up to that stuff? Uh, it kind of does, and it kind of doesn't. Um, <laughs> and it, what I want to get into is, is is foreshadowing because what this movie does is is that there's a lot of there's a lot of character development in this movie. No. There's a lot of character development. And there was there was a lot of events taking place. Where there, there were a lot of events taking place. That I'll give you. That, yeah, but like, like, where was the development? The development was Clark. Clark, really? Mm. It was yeah. Clark, and it was. Um, they didn't have a lot to do with. Oh, what was Clark's dad's name? Uh, Marlon Brando. Oh, Kent. Cla- oh, no, they're his Jarell. real dad. Yeah, Jarrell. Yeah, <laughs> Jarrell. Yeah, Jarrell. I mean, there wasn't a lot there, but there was like enough to establish him as like a dominant figure on Krypton. After Krypton gets blown away, mm-hmm. um, but what happens here is is that there's a lot of there's a lot of explanation, and for a movie from the seventies, for a movie from the seventies, seventies movies was you're at you have to understand that you're at the height of the American New Wave, okay, and the American New Wave of film. So we're getting into a whole different era here of what we're doing. And then we have Superman, which is sort of sort of American New Wave, sort of auteuristic, but altogether it's based on based upon a comic book. And you're kind of mixing those genres up into one big uh, into one film. And I think it's daring. Yeah. I think it's uh, I think it has enough charisma to be or not enough charisma, enough like oomph to be an epic film. I mean, it has it has that epic quality to it. So it's qualified as an epic of the seventies. It yeah. seemed like it. Yeah, I mean, the special effects. I was looking for like really hokey sh- stuff, and there were times when it's just like, oh yeah, you know, whenever they're flying, it's just like oh, you know they're on strings. But there is stuff I'm just I'm still questioning, like how they how did they do that? 
So There are two that stand out to me that made me go, what the hell am I watching? Mm-hmm. And it was the very first one with General Zod and his little minions when they got sucked up into the flying glass of yeah, Doom. And, then they just, and that just looked uh, really corny and dumb. Mm-hmm. And then the other one was when he was in Smallville and he was racing that train yeah. and they showed him. I hated he that scene. ran like Woody runs in Toy Story. Like yeah. his arms and legs were flailing were, and it was like the little marionettes. Like they were just yeah. pulling it real fast yeah. and it looked bad. There was no but connection those were the only, yeah. his feet in the ground. But no. There was no... Just, there was just no, remember it looked incredible in Yeah, it, it, at the time. Incredible. But like he ran of like all of... Compared to the other effects, like those are the only two that really jumped out as like, ooh, that's bad. But so like, I'm trying to figure out if I should go ahead. No, no, no. What? No, you go ahead. You're, no, you're not done what? with what the American huh? New Wave. What? Huh? Uh, no. Well, my, my my thing is is that how does it hold up today? Um, I I think it. There are parts of it that have aged okay. There are parts of it that have aged very badly. Like, yeah, I think like, it's like, fine. Like, yes, like some of the dialogue is very bad. Is very bad, and we'll get into this later. Some of the characterizations, so, not all of them are very good but what I mean is what I mean about foreshadowing is that DC has kind of followed this tri- has kind of followed this tradition because if you look at DC DC is produ- their two biggest like their two biggest mainstays are Batman and Superman right so when right. Superman came out when Superman came out it's just like we have this we have this character developing epic comic book movie mm-hmm. that really kind of transcends everything about comic book movies today because mm-hmm. it was between Superman and Batman that really... Batman 89? Batman 89. So you have 11-year gap to where comic book movies are are kind of prevalent. All right. And uh, Batman is dark as shit. Yeah. I mean, it's 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 They went incredible. a totally different way with that one. Yeah. So, it, and <laughs> DC has kind of... DC has kind of followed that ever since. So that's, the darkness of Batman. Well, just the just the, of Superman. just like the dark character development that they kind of that they kind of encompass. Yeah, they're I, trying to get away from that. I think they're that's trying, a. Yeah. I feel like that might be a a result of of uh, relying heavily too much on not Marvel but Batman. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. Batman '89 was the first re, uh, somewhat realistic dark mm-hmm. portrayal of Batman on mm-hmm. film. And then with the massive success of Christopher Nolan's Dark Knight trilogy, mm-hmm. also being not just dark, but also going beyond comic books to being more realistic than ever, I felt like they did kind of be like, okay, we should stick with that. Well, yes, Marvel Studios went the opposite way. Mm-hmm. And they're just now learning that 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 kind of filmmaking doesn't work for every property. No. Well, and we can get into a whole bunch of different comic elements but, like, the problem that I've always had with Superman is that he's so indestructible. And there's no, for me, believability at any point in time that anything bad could ever happen to Superman ever at all, period. Like, they don't do a good job of setting it up because he is so perfect. Well, you gotta... And, it's, it, and like, ba- like, all of their heroes, their main ones, are very godlike. Mm-hmm. They're looked up to and like not regular humans, except for and Batman, yeah. and that's why people connect to Batman so much. But like for me, I don't like. I, I told Josh this is the, as interesting as this discussion I think will be because it's an older movie. It's the only Superman movie I like. 
Well, that's, that's that's interesting. I think it's the only <laughs> Superman movie that anybody likes, generally. Yeah. I, I think the best you can say about the other Superman movies that have come out is people who think they're underappreciated. Like, that's the highest compliment I ever really get for, like, Superman Returns. With well, they Ralph just don't... It's underappreciated. Yeah, I think... I think I might agree with that, but um, and I haven't seen the Brandon Routh ones, but like Man of Steel's garbage. Uh, I liked this one more than Batman v Superman. I think. I think if you look at at, at Superman Returns with Brandon Routh, that's a conversation for another day. But if you look at that as sort of a spiritual successor to these movies, and you, you it's, it's likable, but it definitely doesn't stand on its own. I, I did I did a little bit of digging, and there is there is a, a reasonable argument for us to include Superman Returns in this series, FYI. Yeah, that's should true. We, yeah, no, I hear absolutely. Um, but anyway, I wanted to bring it back specifically to this movie a little bit yeah, more and talk about the um, the style of it. And I think to do that, we got to look at the fact that it was directed by Richard Donner, who prior to this did The Omen, mm-hmm. and The Omen was kind of what got Warner Brothers to be like, "Oh, we want him." Yeah, which is I find very fascinating. Yeah, and um, the script, which was like a mammoth, a mammoth, and taken to hell and back several times it was like 500 pages at one point it was 550 pages at one point but that encompassed two films because the original goal for this movie was to shoot superman one and two together and they did that to an extent it gets real complex so the first writer of the movie wrote one and two as 550 page script he wrote a novel a, a massive one because um as i was reading some people were saying that um, you could get a, a quality movie out of 110 pages. Mm-hmm. This guy went 550 for two movies. So they were massive regardless. So by the end of the day, the screenplay is credited to four people, none of which were the original writer. <laughs> <laughs> they all did kind of like weird punch-ups and stuff. Yeah, And I noticed something too. There's a lot of like, like the four writers here. Uh-huh. There's at least two of those in there that are very well known. Like Mario Puzo, he wrote The Godfather. Correct. And Robert Benton has he, he wrote uh, Kramer versus Kramer, but he also wrote uh, uh, Bonnie and Clyde. <laughs> Bonnie and Clyde, really? Yeah, yeah. And none of those movies are like Superman. <laughs> no. So it is no. interesting. Yeah, uh, and I think yeah. that's why the story is so strange. Yeah, it's not bad, but I, I can get into that here in just a sec. It's hard to talk about this movie not talking about Superman as a character. It is, and you I think you're the foremost expert on Superman as a character in the room right now. Even I'll take though, that. Even though you're wearing a Batman shirt. I didn't wear a Batman shirt today <laughs> on, purpose. on purpose. I have a um, Superman shirt somewhere. I couldn't find it. So, yeah, let's let's just add... Well, ah, there's so many fun facts I want to do. I want to talk, talk about all the... You I want to talk about some behind-the-scenes fun facts. One of, the, one of the fun facts can we? I hope we, we get to talk about is the casting of Superman. Yeah, let's do that first. You want to do that? There is a ton of people who were looked at for Superman and who were offered the role of Superman that ultimately did not take it. John uh, Connery. No, <laughs> oh. but on the uh, list of of actors that the producers um, initially were like, yeah, we like this list. Uh, Muhammad Ali. What? Yep. Exactly. How? What crazy progressive would that have been for the seventies? Would have been very interesting. Wow. For, for, but that was that could have changed the trajectory of all superhero movies. Like as it we really know could. it. Whoa. Yeah, Muhammad Ali. This is Lane. The producers. <laughs> <laughs> you really shouldn't be smoking. Yeah, that was an approved <laughs> approved choice. Uh, Al Pacino. Oh. No. James Caan. No. Steve McQueen. Oh, that's, that would have been cool. Clint Eastwood. No. Dustin Hoffman. 
Uh, what are the impressions short. of all of these? Dustin Hoffman's too short. No. Definitely shouldn't be <laughs> Snoke. Definitely, definitely shouldn't be Snoke. Come on, okay. Um, hang on, because pink underwear. You're, no, you're, no, you're wearing no, pink no, underwear. No, you never. That definitely shouldn't be Snoke. Um, I'm, I'm just a friend. Just bad a vibrations. <laughs> That's Clint Eastwood. <laughs> uh, Robert Redford was offered the role. Uh, yeah. Burt Reynolds turned down the role. I'm, uh, right. Wouldn't that have been bad? Superman. Dark Ferguson. <laughs> <laughs> gonna, um, gonna fly. Yeah. Nothing ever. No, nothing ever came of this, but Sylvester Stallone wanted it. Oh, I bet he did. Yo, Superman. <laughs> um, they offered the role of Superman, Lex Luthor, or Jor El to Paul Newman. He wanted none of them. Yeah. <laughs> Paul Newman as Jor El would have been pretty cool. Yeah. Um. Caitlyn Jenner auditioned. Oh. Um. That didn't obviously end up going anywhere. Patrick Wayne was cast. He's John Wayne's son, but it, it uh, dropped out. Um, okay. Arnold Schwarzenegger wanted it. Ooh. Wouldn't that have been weird? Be the Superman. The Superman. Um, <laughs> it could be a real fantastic movie. And then just another laundry list of <laughs> he people. He literally could have said, get to the chopper in this movie. Get to the chopper. He's still the safest way to fly. I can't do it. I can't do Schwarzenegger. No, no one really can. <laughs> my least favorite. Um, and just another short laundry list of actors who were either offered the role or considered. Uh, James Brolin, who's Josh Brolin's father. Mm-hmm. Christopher Walken. Nick Nolte. John Voight. Uh, Chris Christopherson. Oh. And Neil Diamond. What? That's my favorite. Diamond. What is happening? Right? Everything he... is picturing all these old men as Superman now. Like These are all like like old guys now. And when, when, the, when the casting director was like, what about Christopher Reeve? Uh, they went, eh, he's too young and skinny. Yeah, you want to know how old Christopher Reeve is in this movie? He's 27. <laughs> how Reeve old did they want Superman to be? Damn. Looks, he looks, um, look at 27-year-olds now. Look at Chris, yeah. Chris Reeve's like jacked without working out in this movie. Is there any of those actors that I named where y'all think, eh, I'd watch, I'd, I'd like to see that version. Neil Diamond. <laughs> <laughs> I think, I would for look. me, a walking Superman would have been horrific. Would have been Pretty cool. <laughs> All those powers. I couldn't do nothing. I could fly. I'm thinking Steve McQueen. Steve McQueen would have been good. I want to see him in the suit. I would love to see Muhammad Ali in the suit. Muhammad Ali would have been really interesting. Muhammad Ali would have been so cool. strong. I make angles right. <laughs> that's really that's really one of the few. Now there's another. There's so many what ifs with the production of this movie. There's one more what if I wanted to go into, and that is um, the choice of director. Mm-hmm. There were two directors that they wanted, or at least talked about in the room, yeah, that ended up not doing it. Yeah, I think one of them advised for a while. Maybe. Uh, the two I wanted to talk about is the first one is George Lucas, who said no because he wanted to focus on Star Wars, mm-hmm. which had not come out yet yeah. at the time of this production. But imagine a world where there is um, maybe not a Star Wars movie because he was doing Superman. Yeah, or maybe both. Or maybe both, you know, like, and the Star Wars came later. You know, because I mean, think Star Wars, A New Hope was just about to release, right, uh-huh. at this point, or had released at this mm-hmm. point, and he would have been in the process for Empire Strikes Back, but right. he could have been working on Superman 2, right. Empire Strikes Back, and Indiana Jones. Yeah, because if, if Superman was the same, mind-blowing. if it was the same massive hit that it was under Donner, yeah. he would have had to have been like, I gotta put Star Wars off even longer. Yeah. I yeah. gotta do Superman 2 right now. Does Indiana Jones get made if Superman right. gets made? Then the other one is Steven Spielberg, yep. who they were like, ah, let's see. He hadn't come out with Jaws yet. He was making it. And they didn't know, ah, I don't know Steven Spielberg. Let's see how Jaws does. Jaws does well. 
um, they go, wow, now we want Steven Spielberg. And he goes, nah, I'm doing Close Encounters of the Third Kind. What if Close Encounters of the Third Kind never happened, but Steven Spielberg, Spielberg star Spielberg, Superman uh, did? It's just, it blows my mind because this movie wanted, seems and, like it has a, like, there's like moments in, in cinema history that are important moments. And I feel like the production of this movie is one of those like key points. Mm-hmm. Like if anything, any any one of these different things had happened. Could have changed the course of cinema. Radically changed the course of cinema. Yeah, it's wild. Andrew, we've talked about it before. Steven Spielberg is kind of made for a Superman story because what is his main thing? What does he do in almost every movie? He kind of glorifies... The father-son relationship. The, the father-son relationship. We talked about it with uh, with Indiana Jones in the Last Crusade. I'm sorry. And a lot of his a lot of his movies really focus on that. And what does this movie have tons of? A Superman and Jarrell, Superman and Pa Kent, uh, a really lazy love interest. It's Spielberg all over. Mm. Okay, so those were those were my fun production facts I wanted to talk about because it's just so just so important. <laughs> now, what David, you were going to talk about Superman as a character? Yeah, I just want, what were well, you going to do? These are more just my overall thoughts coming out of the movie. And I wasn't really sure where to work them in. It's really- I don't think this one's. I don't think this movie leads itself to a normal discussion because, like, I have very few favorite scenes. No. I have a lot of scenes I didn't care for. It's just more fun. Every to now discuss and then, this one. Yeah, let's break the rules a little bit. Every now and then, we talk about movies where we can really get into our the story and how we enjoy it. And then there's some movies where it's like just talking about its impact and yeah. the making of it, the legacy, what, what we feel about these characters and the people. Is is almost a better conversation. Yeah, and it's hard to not just talk about the the, the concept of Superman when you're talking about a movie like this right. or even this series. So before you so get too deep, I might into talk the a little bit about the plot line as I go through this overall thought process too. How popular was Superman with the general masses? So I know uh, that like very right to say that was it because it comic books were comic. still like. relatively niche I think that they had hit a stride in the 70s where they were more popular but like did the general masses that went to see this thing know who Superman was and is that why there was so much uh, damn exposition let me put it this way Superman was essentially on the same par as Santa Claus gotcha Superman was sort of an international he's Mickey Mouse He's he's Bugs Bunny. Yeah. He's Santa Claus. Like he's, I know that everybody knew him, but did he, they really know his story, well, or was it more like a, I know Superman? He's a guy that flies with the here, books, right? Here's where and here's where it really gets why why I think that the movie comes across the, is the way it is. So the movie opens with Jor El, and they kind of crea- crafted this new storyline that they they only serves to set up the second film with the whole uh, Zod and those people being thrown into the Phantom Zone and all that. You get, um, let me see, I wrote all this stuff down somewhere. You get 20 full minutes of this Krypton sequence. 20 minutes of this movie is just the stuff on Krypton. The next 19 minutes are Smallville. Yeah. So we're 49 minutes in this movie, and technically Superman has not shown up yet. Um, Superman, in his proper Superman gear, appears at the 51-minute mark. Yeah, where do you get the suit? And then he doesn't actually actually start supermaning until the hour eight mark is when he actually starts doing Superman things. You are making so me tired again. Very very long. It there's a lot that goes on here. So here here's what I here's what I um, kind of wrote down here. Um, I've always been a big defender of Superman. I usually I'm I'm never hesitant to stand up and say like try to justify him as a character and justify his existence within comic books and the universe. Um, I'll. This movie has a lot of problems. I'm more than willing to admit that. But it kind of 
it's so unique because it cements Superman as a character. It is it inspires so it has so many iconic elements that would go on to become major parts of Superman's lore, and it's the major precursor for superhero movies we have today. So it's really hard to like take like some a lot of the bad doesn't take away from the good of this. Um, from the physical way Christopher Reeve changes between Clark Kent and Superman, the sort of exaggerated versions of those two characters that he plays, it's great. From the way they did the Fortress of Solitude, which is completely an original idea. The way Krypton looks, completely original. None of that was based in the comics. And then you have that unbeatable score. Just everything about this movie stands out. Superman, from his debut to the 70s when this movie came out, was had an incredibly convoluted backstory. And every writer that would go on to write for Superman would just change whatever they didn't like, just change things about his backstory. They would change, they would add, they would add powers. They would take away powers, like keeping track of what Superman could and couldn't do and had and had not done is physically impossible. If you are a 13 year old kid growing up reading Superman in the seventies, there was no, there was no Wikipedia where you could go and you could track down what Superman did and what he didn't do. do And and honestly, comic books back then didn't keep track of that sort of thing. They kind of did. They had a loose continuity of what Superman had done. But generally, whoever wrote for it wrote their own thing. So Superman, and the reason I compare him to, like, Santa Claus is, like, everybody kind of has their version of Santa Claus. Right. Like, Santa Claus doesn't have, like, a writ wrote backstory. It's kind of like whatever your parents kind of decide to tell you mm-hmm. Santa Claus does, that's what he does. We all kind of agree on general concepts of what what Santa Claus is like and what Superman was like. But there was no definitive version of what you would go to, mm-hmm. and this film. Well, and at that point, I know in the seventies we were in the uh, the what's referred to as the Bronze Age of comic books, right? And uh, Superman was reduced in the uh, introduced in the Golden Age in, in the late thirties, I think. Mm-hmm. So yeah, he had been around for a very he'd been long time almost, up to the seventies. He'd only he'd been around almost uh, fifty years at this point. So mm-hmm. you can imagine the amount of. Um, Convoluted storytelling there was a that lot would take to, place over that time, and yeah. you know you have various people tuning in and turning or like reading comments as kids and then never touching it again. So like this movie really synthesizes all of the various things that have been sort of made, and we all we all agreed about with Superman, his Krypton, Pa Kent, and you know Pa Mom, Pa Kent in Kansas, going to Metropolis, being in love with Lois Lane, stopping Lex Luthor. Those are all the things that we all agreed. Uh, I say we that everybody agreed that was the core of what Superman was. So they wanted to put all of those elements on into into these films because they were like, "This is the Superman movie. We're gonna make two of these at least. This is it. We got to get all of those things on screen because we're never gonna get a chance to do this again." Is probably the it's probably the mindset. So they get so we get all this explanation, all this backstory, and because of that, it sort of changed how they wrote Superman in the comics. So it's like a it, it's weirdly iconic in a way. Yeah. Um, and it cra- it created so much of how people think about Superman as it is. Um, I think that um, because the character had become so popular and so instantly recognizable, uh, as in- as recognizable as, say, a Mickey Mouse, he really transcended the medium of comic books. You didn't have to have read a comic book to recognize that a Superman- what Superman movie was about. You went, oh, a movie about Superman. It's like essentially like making Coca-Cola the movie. Yeah. It's like you don't have to drink Coke to know what Coke is. And people in China don't have to drink Coke to know what Coke is. Like when you see when you see that logo, you know what it is. Mm-hmm. So 
my overall thoughts is just how impressive it is that they even made got the movie made with all the production. It is impressive with all the production uh, hoopla that we we read off there at the beginning. It's amazing it got to not only being finished, but then them also doing a sequel. Yeah, well, because I, I believe it also went uh, over budget, over schedule. Uh, this the sequel production was actually shut down for a short amount of time, and we'll talk about it again in our in our discussion of Superman two. But that was an epic disaster of getting made as well. To the point where there are now two versions of that movie because <laughs> they replaced the original director. Like, yeah. they were like, at, at some point during this production, they were in, they were like, you know what? Stop making Superman two and finish Superman one. So that's what they had to do. So, um, I like. I've always liked the idea of Superman and the idea of Superman that really let me like him as a character was actually I don't remember what you'll remember. It was either Kill Bill or Kill Bill two. I don't remember oh, when Bill's talking about why he likes Superman. With this. And he's like, it's his perception of the human people. Like he is an alien. Mm-hmm. He is in. He is on Earth, and putting out what his perception is of the human beings. And he is the only superhero that's like that for the most part. Mm-hmm. I thought that makes sense, and I like that idea. But I also just don't really care about Superman. I never had the, the funny thing about everybody because everybody everybody complains and everybody thinks that they're like the first person to ever come up with the, this. Uh, this plot hole that nobody can tell the difference between Clark Kent and Superman. And the funny thing was, I I, I was watching a I was watch I was I was I was watching a, 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 a like a made for History Channel or something like that documentary about Superman and about the early days of comics. And somebody said, "Yeah, the uh, people who made Superman realized that really early on. That's why if you actually were to compile like Superman in order the way it was written, about." A hundred stories in, they started making having Superman be essentially what we would now call like Doctor Who. Like, it's a it's a, it's an excuse for a writer to explore the f- weird fantasy movie concept that they have, but they have no outlet to do it. So they just like send Superman off to some weird planet where he doesn't have to worry about his Clark Kent alter alter ego, and he doesn't have to worry about Kryptonite and all that stuff because he's uh, he they just completely change. He's their vehicle for mm-hmm. sci fi setting and. Uh, for years, writers tried to come up with crazy concepts for why nobody could tell the difference, and they tried to make up. Oh, he was because when he's Superman, he vibrates his face really fast. So it's because you know this does that and this is that. I think just the simplest explanation to go with is that is is what you see here with Christopher Reeves, and he uh, presents Clark as being so such a dork. That there's no way you would believe a Superman. It would be like this is an inside joke for some people here, but it's like picture the guy who is like the biggest dork at your office or wherever you work. That guy is actually Superman. It's like, but he's like, how could he? He's be? weird and overweight and yeah. has a hunchback. It's like, well, that's what Superman does. That'd be Clark a coincidence. Kent. You know, that's what he, that's what he does. Like, okay, yeah, I look like Superman. If that guy looks like Superman, it's a, uh, it's. A subtle thing and I think they nail it in this movie I think Christopher Reeves nails it in this movie for somebody who wasn't a big movie star to sort of perfectly nail the 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 difference between Superman and Clark Kent it's amazing and I feel like there's a lot of pressure on him I feel like there was probably a lot of pressure on Christopher Reeves to like be good in that role there might have been because one I mean yeah you gotta imagine yeah cause like cause one Christopher Reeve is one a new guy I mean so far every single like th- I mean throughout history every person who's played Superman has been somebody that you really haven't heard of yeah 
and I feel like there's just a ton of pressure on that on that role in particular to be two roles two roles in one. Mm-hmm. And I've I personally I mean I personally think that this one it like Christopher Reeve is my is my favorite of them all because I just think I think Christopher Reeve is like kind of like an everyman. I don't know why. He just encapsulates the role perfectly. Yeah, he does. Truth, justice, in the American the way. The fact that yeah. you have nothing else to... I mean, it's its unfortunate that in the end he never really would get to do much beyond Superman. Um, yeah. But it, it's kind of... It, you have nothing else to basically... If Steve McQueen had played Superman, you'd be watching Steve McQueen play Superman. It's yeah. just kind of the unfortunateness of it. If Muhammad Ali played Superman, you'd be watching Muhammad Ali yeah. play Superman. But because Christopher Reeves, you had no baggage coming in with him, it works, and unfortunately, it was so perfect that anybody they had to come after him, Brandon Routh, Henry Cavill, they're competing with that just perfect, genuine quality that Christopher Reeves Dean had. Kane. Dean Kane. They're competing. Dean Kane. They're competing with that yeah. perfect quality that Christopher Reeves just sort of like effortlessly seemed to nail. And it's because Christopher Reeves, as it turns out, was just a pretty a, a awesome human being yeah. uh, on his own merit. Um, but we you know, we could go on and on about him all day. Do you guys want to talk about some of the other aspects of the movie? I just wish that Neil Diamond had been cast. <laughs> I would love Still to hear on Cherry the Neil Cherry. Diamond thing. <laughs> I want to know where he got the damn suit. It yeah. just showed up all of the sudden. Did he sew it? He yeah. was in the middle of nowhere, Alaska, I assume, and just all of a sudden had a suit. Oh, it's just where like, did it come that from? Was something it's just really like Spider Man. Like Sp- Spider-Man made his suit. Yeah, Spider-Man made his suit. Did he make his suit? Yes. Do you watch movies? <laughs> Literally. No, listen. Listen, Linda. In... In... I'm so stupid. He just sat on a dog. The dog. He just sat on a dog, Andrew. In Spider-Man 1, Peter <laughs> makes the suit. He starts with the crappy sweatsuit, and then he progresses to the cool suit. In... Um, the Amazing Spider-Man, he makes his own suit. In... What's it called? The new one, Tony makes the suit. In every iteration, it is explained where the suit comes from. <laughs> and you have apparently never watched them, and we have covered yeah. that series on this very show. Now, <laughs> I'm going to go to Quick Trip. I'll see y'all later. Yeah, go <laughs> on. In this particular version, I believe it's in his, his little Kryptonian to- ball with him. Mm. And he makes it from there. It seems like everything that he needed was in this Fortress of Solitude. Yeah, I assume it came from there. It's able to just sprout out of nowhere from yeah. one crystal. So it's it's well, kind that, of everything's there. I also had a question about how he just fissured into the suit as he was jumping off the boat. Like he was like yeah. he just like it was like a dissolve transition, a and problem. he was in a suit. Like he, I, okay, you there was know, a consistency problem. You want to argue about like him spinning in the thing? Like that's fine. Okay, he's super fast. He can do that and change, and nobody will see it. But like he's just diving down, and then he just fissures, and all of a sudden he's in a suit. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of um, a very impressionist version of Superman's powers we get in in this these, this series of movies because like he'll just. Have like in the second one, you'll you'll see he just like runs through an alley and the suit just appears on him. It's like okay, and there's some of the things he does that's just very like I guess that's how I guess that's the only way you can really do that. So where um you might know and maybe it'll come up in a few weeks. I don't I don't know where did the idea the the what is now an iconic idea of the tearing open the the suit and revealing right. he's wearing it the whole time. Where did that originate? Because in this one, yeah, it just appears on him. Yeah, they have a um they have a very uh it's so funny to think. I was watching with my wife. It's so funny to think that even by 1978 the idea of him changing in a phone booth was played out enough for them to make a joke about it. Yes, yeah, true. Cuz he runs up to what is a phone stall 
and just goes, this isn't a phone booth. I guess I'll run over here and do it. And he, and you see him open his shirt, and it's now like an iconic moment of him opening the shirt and revealing the, the, the costume. I don't know what exactly spawned the idea of it, but I think it's probably just the uh, premise that just, like, gotta change fast, yeah. right? It's like, is he always wearing it under his clothes? Does it, or does it always appear on him? Or can it be two different things? Yeah. Did he forget to put it on that day and that's yeah. why he magicked it onto his body? <laughs> yeah, sometimes. What happened? And yeah. where did his other clothes go? Yeah. It's hard to figure out what is a decision based on the writing and what's a production decision. I imagine like, we the, don't have the production ability to have him physically change while falling. So let's just shoot a shot of him falling in a, in a regular business suit, and then shoot a shot of him flying in a reg, in the Superman suit, and we'll just crossfade the two the two frames together. I'm sure people thought that was super cool. Yeah, and it probably at the time they probably went, they probably freaked out because that was like the coolest thing they'd ever seen. Now it's just kind of baffling. Um, I did like whenever he finally started Supermaning. I liked yeah, that, and yeah. they transitioned all those stuff. I liked that the I liked the little the I'm gonna call him a pimp uh, who liked his suit. <laughs> yeah, he was a dope suit. <laughs> he was a he was a pimp, and uh, yeah, it was really funny. And then yeah, the helicopter scene was pretty good. I can see how that would be like really big at the time, tension building, a yeah. way to get him going. And then he's doing all of these like big time things, and then he goes and saves a cat. <laughs> can we talk about the cat scene? <laughs> sure. <laughs> Did you guys listen to yes, the whole cat scene? Yes, I did. Yeah. With the mom at the end? That little girl gets smacked in the face. And it was the funniest thing that I've watched in 18 years of watching movies. Superman needs to take that mama to jail. It. She goes, Mommy, a man flew and saved whiskers. Uh, what have I told you about lying? And then you hear... <laughs> <laughs> I literally paused the movie yeah. and took a 25-minute break. I went... Yeah. I got to I got to eat something on that. Yep. I, I got up. I laughed so hard. I've not laughed that hard in a long time. You told me about this yesterday because yes. we met up yesterday and what happened <laughs> when you told me about that. And then I saw that. I remember my jaw dropped and I, I thought about it for a second and I laughed and then I felt bad for laughing because that's a horrible moment. <laughs> it is. Now it's here's my funny. question. It's so we, nice. We so. all laugh at it. But in 1978, were all the parents going... Serves her right. Serves her right. <laughs> this little girl gets and slapped. Her. Like leans over to like their son and goes, and it happened to you too. You ever lied about you it? Lied about that kind of lie? <laughs> it's that common that like everybody just goes, yeah, little girl got smacked. Uh, I figured it would. Ta- I figured you would take particular umbrage with it, Josh, because you don't like people being punished for telling the truth. I don't like people being punished for telling the truth. Um, but it was too funny to be too mad. Yeah. Um, I also just don't like slapping children. Yeah. <laughs> As a rule. Just, it was just so random. It like, cause, just, I mean, just that. It's all off screen, so you just hear the. Right. Well, in and that background. sound, you just don't think it's a spanking. She smacked her across the face. Exactly. That's my. Like, and that's. That's a bridge too far. It's such a. For such a stupid thing, too. It's yeah. not like she told a lie that hurt anyone. Yeah, it's not like she. It's not like she. She killed the cat. Yeah. You know, or something. She just literally said, but man flew in and saved whiskers. It's interesting to look at it because, like, again, you mentioned the different time and, and like, maybe they were like, yeah, you deserve it or whatever, like the people in the, the audience watching. But, like, one of the... It, it's interesting to watch a movie like this and see where we are now because one of the problems that I had with it was Miss Tessmacher and... The one that oh, really, yeah. the one that really bothered me yeah. was when she was in the car wreck scene that they set up. Oh yeah, yeah. And yeah. everybody was fighting about who gets to give her com- chest compressions yeah, and mouth yeah. to mouth. Yeah. And then the major was like, he had everybody stand in a circle around yeah. it and then about face it like that. 
It was, was really it was pretty messed up. Well, I didn't like well. that. But like again, at the time, you, it was also pretty messed up. Yeah, it, it, no, it's <laughs> always messed up. But like, it's just interesting to see because like at the time, you know that everybody's in the theater just hooting it up and laughing. Yep. Yeah. Well, in, even uh, the, even I mean, sad to say, even probably a lot of the women are like, hee, 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 yeah. "What's silly?" But it's also kind of it's weird. It's a, it's a weird conversation to get in because it's like, well, she's she's a bad guy, mm-hmm. purposely putting herself in a situation to trick a bunch of soldiers. Yeah, she's probably aware what's gonna happen. I don't know. It's such a weird situation, and, and Lex Luthor's such a weird goofball in this movie. Like he's so like it's like a it's a Keystone Cop routine with getting these missile plans. Because they're like, yeah, go out there and pretend like you've fallen over and entice all the boys with your flirtatious outfit. And meanwhile, I'll send Otis from Mayberry over there to like... <laughs> I had... You know, and, and his name's literally Otis. Yeah. <laughs> to configure these plans. And he gets it wrong and they have to do it again. Yeah. And now Lex is in a different costume with a different bit going on. It's such a... He's Snidely odd, Whiplash. It is. He's, he's, a, he's, a, he's a Bond villain. He's like a weird Bond villain. And it's such a crazy dichotomy. They didn't do enough to make me care about the evil plan. The, uh, really, this no. movie didn't make a ton of sense, like, plot-wise, if you think about it. Because, like, Lex Luthor was not menacing in any way, shape, or form. Like, you didn't find out about his plan until, like, an hour and a half into the damn movie. Right. What were they doing the first hour and a half? And and the only, I, I just didn't care about the plan. Like... Whatever. Okay. Yeah. Cool. And yeah. then the I, that changed briefly when the missile hit California because I didn't expect that. So that surprised me a little bit. And then stuff was going down, and, yeah. and then, Superman had to go to the core of the Earth to lift back up the fault line yeah. because that's possible. He's but whatever. The like, fault, he's putting the fault back together. Yeah. Yeah. Going to use glue and popsicle sticks or whatever to glue it back together. No, no, no. I will say it's all great stuff because it's all like uh, like model work. And like the effects are fine, you know, using like uh, you know some scale distance mm-hmm. and messing around with like uh, like real video and then just like playing it backwards. <laughs> it's all like yeah, very uh, very uh, uh, what what would be pretty standard stuff today, but it was pretty impressive for the for the time period of, of making this work. Definitely, uh, it's such a somebody. I watched a, a review of this movie too, where he talked about the dichotomy of. Lex Luthor and Superman. Superman, who has the literal power of a god and uses it to save kittens. And Lex Luthor, who has seemingly no real power, confiscating nuclear missiles and then blowing up a portion of California. Like, it's such a, like, the one, like, the, the power it, these two have is so, and how they choose to use it is so fascinating. Um, and I love the idea of blowing up, or sending a missile into the water so that you can have your all the land you own will be beachfront property. Yeah. Such a convoluted and messed up plan. Andrew, you've been looking like somebody who's trying to. He's double, been trying to double talk for du- a while, du- yeah. double dutch line. So jump now, in there. Now the only thing I'll say is, is that like the first half of this movie is terrific. The second half of this movie. What? Hold on, hold on. I am not done. The second half of this movie is what kind of like brings it down for me. I knew that's where you were going. That's why I said, what? The first part is better than the second part? I kind of yeah. think the second part is where it picks up. Really? I, when Superman shows up. <laughs> yep, it really yeah, picks it's up not good until Superman shows up. <laughs> well, it, my problem is, my problem is with Lex Luthor. Yeah, yeah. Like, 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 yeah, he Lex, sucks. Yeah, Lex Luthor. <laughs> but so does Clark time, Kent. Say what? So does Clark Kent. The whole exposition sure. of everything could have been tied up in 20 minutes. But like, but like every time, every time I saw Lex Luthor and... Fucking Otis. 
Otis was an abomination yeah, of villains. Otis had no thing. he had no business in this movie. It was such an odd, yeah. odd way. Well, to I really think work. they just went with the comic book cartoonish nature of the villains for some reason. And yeah. that's that's my problem. They really played into that. It's like it's like it's seriously like the sixties Batman villains. It's just goofy. Yeah. 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 It's 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 Bond villain meets uh meets Mayberry meets I don't know what Mrs. what was her name? Mrs. Tessmacher. I don't know what she's supposed to be, but it's Related such a to weird, Redenbacher. Yeah, it's such a weird villainous gang mm-hmm. that doesn't you doesn't seem like you should take them seriously at all. And then they manage to confiscate a bunch of missiles from the dumbest army men that have ever yeah. lived. And uh it's so cartoonish in comparison to some of the parts where it seemed like they were trying to present it fairly not I don't want to say realistically, but in a real sense, like people have a real reaction to Superman, like that everybody's trying to figure out who Superman is and it seems real also speaking of figuring out who Superman is how dare Lois Lane ask his like vital information and not go how are you able to fly her first question is how tall are you (laughs) no Uh, why are you able to fly where are you from are you human are you not human basic reporter questions yeah I know she's like interested in him in in an attractive nature but like you're setting her up as this reporter who never stops and then he shows up to get do an exclusive with you how tall are you and what do you weigh the whole world kind of accepts him a little too easily, don't they? Mm-hmm. No one really asks questions. Yeah. That's one of the... Except the J. Jonah Jameson. That's one of the few somewhat interesting aspects of of um, the the Snyder vs. Superman, where he does play with that idea yeah. that's never really explored. The world's a little more cynical. Like, yeah. Like, they're just like... When, when he catches Lois falling and then grabs a helicopter, that TV reporter on the ground just like, wow, I can't believe he caught her. Not like, <laughs> what is happening? Yeah. Or... He's or just like, wow, I can't believe happened. it. Or like, whenever they, whenever they were getting mugged in the alley. Yeah. That's then, my favorite and then, scene. And then like, they get mugged in the alley, they get shot at... The guy runs away, and then they just walk off like nothing happened. Yeah. Well, that's like nothing. That's Metropolis, that's Metropolis in the seventies. Yeah. It's much like New York. <laughs> now, that's my. That's actually my favorite scene. Like we did, we talked about there not being a lot of like favorites. My favorite scene is Clark managing to go as far out of his way as possible to not reveal that he's Superman mm-hmm. to the point of allowing himself to be sort of like humiliated and made to look like a total wimp because Lois bashes the guy in the head with her own with her like her own purse like if anything from Lois's perspective she just saved Clark yeah but what Lois doesn't know is that Clark did did save her yeah. with this like bullet catch that he did but it's such an like it's such a small thing but like so many superhero movies come down to oh man he's going to have to reveal that he's the good, like he's, he's gonna have to reveal his secret identity, and everything hinges on that so much that it was so nice to see it played in such a way that like Clark didn't even like bat an eye at the concept. He was like, "Yeah, I'm gonna go in here, and I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna reveal that I'm gonna, that I'm Superman this whole time, mm-hmm. and I'm gonna, and I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do Superman things right in front of Lois's face, and you're not even gonna know." Like that's how confident he was that he could get out of this situation. He didn't panic. He didn't go, "I'm gonna get out of this." It wasn't like a whole thing. And she walked away, and, and that's why. Why would you believe that Clark is Superman? When? Why would you believe that Clark is Superman when you literally were in a mugger situation and yeah. Clark fainted, fainted from being, you know, from from being presented with a gun? Like it's such a great moment. I can't say that the rest of the movie really follows that to the best of its abilities. I think it did what it could 
considering nobody had ever made a Superman movie before. So, like, what do you base it on? Mm-hmm. You know, you can't learn from somebody else's mistakes. You're the one that you're the mistakes that people have to learn from when you're the first. Um, there are two things that I didn't like. Yeah. Uh, the scene that I called space fucking with that weird ass poem. Yeah, it was a weird. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's everybody. I hated it. Scene. Hated it so much. I think I said that while I was watching it many times. <laughs> I just truly hated it. Yeah, it's really and bad. I can't express how much I hate it. How how many lines in did you figure out that you were basically listening two, to a poem? Two <laughs> minutes. I heard it rhyme, and then I went, no. No. Nope, nope, no. It was terrible. It was bad. It should be riddled from existence. Can Don't you read my mind? I thought that she was I thought she was legit <laughs> asking that question. Sky. I hate this. You can fly. I hate every moment of what's happening right now. My favorite part of that is when a bird flies up and like Lois <laughs> literally lets go of Superman and grabs him like this. Well, and I was like, how, what? How is she holding herself up like that? What how? I don't understand is they're holding <laughs> like forearms, right. and then she keeps getting farther away. And like, do they not feel it? Because she falls and is seemingly surprised, or was he doing it on purpose? Like yeah. that whole thing, and like he's super strong. So how is she slipping away? I don't. He, he freaking. Caught a helicopter with one hand and yeah. then just eased it up. Yeah. I didn't like that at all. Yeah, that seems really bad. I also had I also a, many a questions about the if I could turn back time, spin around the world. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because... In the first There's time travel basics, come on, man. In the first the world first, no, I'll, you know what? I'll ex- I'll even accept this. This is where my question comes in. He flew, so the fault line happens. The dam breaks. He goes full beaver and creates a dam, and it stops the town from flooding. Mm-hmm. Full beaver. <laughs> <laughs> and then the fault line continues to uh, go. And she falls into the hole and dies in the car. <clears throat> then he gets so mad, he spins back in time, and he reverses time, and you see things going back. But what changed to where the fault line didn't get, like, he didn't change anything. He mm-hmm. just went to her. Right. And But, like, the car was still in the same spot, and he didn't move them, and he didn't change anything else that he did. So how, just by spinning real fast counterclockwise, did it change everything to where the fault line doesn't continue and eat yeah, the in, car? Yeah, well, in theory, everything should happen again. Yes. Like, he should save her, but, oh, now, now I gotta go fix the fault right. line again. exactly. Yeah, well... Uh, if if movies have have taught me anything about the st- space time continuum, technically there are two Supermans. In well, that that's time. what I asked. My my, I wrote down. Are they are we going to have two Supermen now, and we're going to go back to where the missiles were, and they were going to stop them? But that didn't happen. Yeah, yeah. It's a. I, I think most people even agree. Like, yeah, the ending is just kind of baffling, and it's just kind of like okay. Yeah. You know, and you can even ask like, does he actually spin the rotation of the Earth, or is it just a way that? Is it just the the best way they could think to visualize going back in time? You know, it, who knows? Who knows exactly what the plan was there? It just kind of it, it doesn't really work. But it's, uh, but I, I do really what I really appreciate is or what what really disappoints me, especially when they knew they were going to do a second movie, was in order to do this before he before he flies off. You guys may or may not remember he hears voices. From his father saying, "You are not to interfere in human history," and you hear his, and you hear his own voice say, or you hear his, you hear his, you hear Pa Kent say, um, "I know you were sent here for a reason," and so like he's making a choice in that moment to 
choose his adopted home over his real home, over Jorel. He's saying, I am going to do this. I think I can go back in time and I can save Lois Lane. I'm going to interfere in human history. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to ignore what my father said I'm not supposed or what Jorel said I'm not supposed to do. And I'm going to choose to save the woman I love and choose this this world. And he does that. And there are really no ramifications for it. Like, why did Jarrell tell him he can't interfere in human history if there's no consequences? Mm. And so he goes back in time. He saves Lois Lane. Everything's fine. Yeah. There's no problem. Like, it, it, it stands a reason why why doesn't he go back in time every time? What what rises to the level of going back in time and fixing something in human history? And what doesn't? Um, and you could argue that maybe the uh, you, they could have used the appearance of Zod to... As, as what that consequence is, but they kind of did what they, you'll see in the second movie that it's not really tied together, but if they wanted to, that could have been the thing, is that going back in time mm-hmm. somehow messes with the Phantom Zone and brings out Zod and the rest of them. Yeah. But they do that, they they, they, they act, they um, create that problem in a totally different way, um, which we'll talk about when we do Superman 2. But it's, that's, to me, the more disappointing element is not even necessarily that it's, it's ludicrous, because it is ludicrous, but well, there is no consequences. Um, yeah, yeah. Well, I think uh, we're we're approaching the end of this discussion. So, um, yeah, <laughs> I think that does it. Yeah, I got box office numbers and in our games box and stuff. Office. Oh, by the way, I want to apologize. Didn't do box office stats for Toy Story four last week. Yeah, uh, apologize for that. But uh, it did well. It really well. It made all the money. It's doing real well. I won't go into that this week. Uh, Superman, I'll tell you, and I'm going to just lead off. There's not a lot to say here. Uh, box office uh, stats were not kept much prior to 1980, so there's not a lot to go on here. I have basically, it's it's uh, just a few stats. Um, it debuted on December 15th, way back in 1978. It was uh, supposedly number one in the box office with a three-day total of $7.4 million. That doesn't sound like a lot, but it was by 1970 standards. Um, there's not really a top ten for that week. Some other movies that were in were in uh, in theaters during that time period were uh, a movie called Oliver's Story, uh, a re-release of Disney's Pinocchio, nice Every Which Way But Loose. I think also came out that same weekend. Um, Invasion of the Body Snatchers, and a movie called The Deer Hunter. Those were all in theaters. I can't tell you what was which one was in what spot. Spot. We don't really have a. I don't really have the numbers for that. Um, so no. Uh, I'll bet you money that Andrew's a big fan of the Deer Hunter. Am I right? Not really. And, oh, and I'm Otis, whatever that is. Um, I can tell you that. Let me see here. In total, Superman will go on to finish with 134 million dollars domestically. Uh-huh. And 166 million dollars overseas for about a roughly even 300 million dollars total, which uh, on a 55 million dollar budget ends up being pretty good. Yeah, it was the number two movie of 1978. Would anybody like to guess what number one was of 1978? Are you looking at it? I I know it. Yeah, Star Wars. Andrew, do you know it too? Yeah. Gary, what was the number one movie you of 1978? Star Wars. No, no. it did oh. not come out in 1978. Did it not? I that thought it did. Before. Oh, I confused myself. You're going to be angry when you find out what it is. <laughs> yeah, Andrew was when I told him yesterday. I have no idea. I'm afraid, though. Are you gonna do Stars that? John Travolta. Um, 
I wonder if he'll say the same one that you said wrong. Well, you I said you, a lot of them wrong. You did. You, you were going to go with Greece. Is it Urban Cowboy? It's not Cowboy. Urban Cowboy. It's not I don't know when Cowboy. that came out. I don't, I don't know you, enough John Travolta movies. You may have said it. I may have said it. Was it Greece? It was Greece. Oh, I thought Target that came out in the 80s. Number one movie. Multiplying. I like Greece. Why would I be um, mad at that? Also in the top five for 1978, Animal House. Ooh, I like As that too. The aforementioned Every Which Way But Loose. Heaven Can Wait, uh, Halloween, and Jaws. So we got three oh. movies in 1978 that would spawn series. Jaws, Halloween, and uh, Grease. Why do you look, Grease. you look like somebody just like went into the past and tried to murder you as a child. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. You? Not Jaws, but Jaws 2. Okay, that makes Jaws sense. Jaws 2, excuse me. You really just changed his timeline. <laughs> yeah, I know. He was like, like, I you know that I, gif of yeah, like of Winona Ryder thinking and then, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, sorry. Excuse me. Excuse me. It was it was Jaws two, but Halloween came out that year as well. So you got Superman, Jaws two, Halloween. We have some the early early stages of some of the, so many sequels franchises on there. Uh, it's the number four hundred and forty four movie all time domestically. It's the highest grossing four hundred and forty four. It's the highest grossing movie for Christopher Reeve or in the Christopher Reeve Superman series. Good. Cool. It's the num. It's the fifth highest grossing movie featuring Superman as a character. Not counting uh, Lego movies. Not oh, counting yeah. Lego Superman movies. Right. Uh, unadjust, or adjusted for inflation, uh, experts say it's the highest grossing Superman movie ever. Uh, it is uh, the second highest grossing film for Marlon Brando behind just The Godfather. Marlon Brando. Cool. We didn't talk about Marlon Brando being kind of a diva in this movie yet. Kind of a diva. I think he's a diva. Wanna, we can stretch on that want, real quick. I you want to run through that just real quick before we move on to the So tomatoes. he wanted to pay he wanted all the money. He wanted it in, he got paid more than Christopher Reeve for this movie. Um I believe I saw that he wanted all his his entire film role filmed in three days or something like that. Yeah he filmed all his stuff in like twelve days. And, and he wanted it filmed in shorter. He refused to learn the lines. He yeah. had, he demanded a cue cards on set. So he didn't know any of his lines. He didn't want to be there, and he only all his scenes took three days. Uh, yeah, and, and he got like and, three million. And you want to know what else? He forced them to have to shoot somewhere else because he still was wanted for a felony in Italy, where they were initially going to shoot Krypton. Yeah, they had to shoot somewhere else because he was technically still wanted for sexual assault because of uh, uh, Last what? Tango in Paris. Yeah, great guy, and, Marlon Brando. <laughs> the other thing is, I'm sure also, everyone else was just unprofessional. He also, <laughs> he also totally refused to pronounce Krypton correctly. He would say Krypton, Krypton, Aaron Krypton, and they were like, "No, it's actually Krypton." And if you listen, George Re- uh, Chris Reeves says Krypton, like he very Krypton. clearly says it here. Krypton, Bloody you are the last son of Krypton. And he would not say it correctly. He refused to do that. Um, I think there was one other thing. Oh, he made um. Not only did he did he want a lot of money up front, he got like fifteen percent of the gross. And he actually sued somebody for that. He got a lot of money. Yeah, he got a lot of money for it, and uh, they got it. They kind of got him in the end, though, because they've been reusing Marlon Brando's uh, likeness for these films for like the last 30, 40 years. Uh, to add more to that, not wanting to learn lines, the because he the reason why he wanted to do that is because he wanted to have like the immediacy of the scene uh, done in one take. Or but, he was a douche. But like <laughs> to to for example of that, whenever he was putting the baby in the in the carriage. Uh-huh. Whenever he was putting the baby in the carriage, apparently his lines were written on the diaper. <laughs> and he read the lines from the diaper. It. it may not be true, but I believe it. I mean... Just put them on the diaper, I'll read them there. Just put them on the diaper. 
Let me make Are a slight adjustment. Man. Okay, you need to stop. That's terrible. <laughs> slight adjustment. He edited in his contract to finish his scenes in 12 days, not Ooh. three. 12. So there you go. Um, who won Toy Story 4's you did. Rotten Tomatoes? Did I? You did. You ran the game. So I get to run it. Okay, cool. Um, let's get to it. I don't know what I was trying to say there. Superman, how do you all feel? Do you feel it's going to be higher or lower than what uh, your opinions are? I think it's probably going to be higher than mine. Okay. Um, critical. Oh, wait. Guess and then I read the critical consensus. That's right. One day we'll all we'll all remember how this game works. Seventy-two. Okay. And I think that's being generous. Okay. I'm gonna say eighty-four. Okay. I'm gonna go with eighty. Also okay. being generous. Uh, critical cons- critics consensus. Superman deftly blends humor and gravitas, taking advantage of the perfectly cast Christopher Reeve to craft a loving, nostalgic tribute to an American pop culture icon. I am going to jump all the way up to like eighty-five. 85 is the new one. What did I say on my thing? I think I said, I'm just going to stick with 84%. 85, 84. S- well, you were at 85. Yeah, I'm sticking at 84. 85, 84. I'm going to go 88. 85, 84, 88. Okay. Uh, the winner, uh, not who did not get it right, and none of you are really even that close, really, is Andrew. Uh the score is 94. That Whoa! Is 94%. Way That's very high. Yes. Whoa! 94%. That is way too So high. Andrew will run the game for Superman 2. Congratulations, Andrew. You deserve it. Oh. Whoa. No, thanks, David. I appreciate it. <laughs> Out of how many uh, sticks of kryptonite do you give this movie? Uh, I'd give it. Three and a half out of five. Okay. Anybody else? I'm kissing it with three and a half. It's very enjoyable, but it's kind of boring. It's three. three. Yeah, I think it's three for me, too. It's not... I mean, there are elements to it that have not aged well, obviously. Right. But right. It's not unwatchable. I appreciate its, it's, uh, its contributions mm-hmm. to film. Thank you okay. for your service. So that wraps that movie up. We will be back next week with Superman 2. You can find us online at facebook.com slash so many sequels pod on Instagram and Twitter as well. And you can listen to us on a wide variety of apps. Um, we're, of course, available on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, SoundCloud, Anchor, um, and also, hang on, i got to get the list because we're on. I, I've done some work lately and we're on a lot more. Google Podcasts, Breaker, CastBox, Overcast, Pocket Casts, Radio Public, and Stitcher, as well as the... Uh, Locally made here in Tulsa, Soundstooth app. Um, you can find that at Soundstooth. Um, just Google that. We're on there with a bunch of other great local podcasts. Yeah. And there you go. Until next time. Who are we? Just so many sequels. <laughs>